Welcome to Season 6 of the Marrow Masters Podcast Series, sponsored by the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, Insight Corporation, and Cadman. The National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, established in 1992, strives to help patients, caregivers, and their families cope with the psychosocial challenges of transplant, from diagnosis through survivorship. This season focuses on advice for dealing with GVHD from both patients and healthcare professionals. Here's your host, Executive Director of the NBMT Link, Peggy Burkhardt. Welcome, everyone. This series focuses on all things GVHD. We're going to peel back some of the layers, talk to experts and patients alike about their struggles, victories, best tips, and so much more. So get ready. Get ready to be inspired, educated, and updated on this tricky disease. GVHD might be a part of your life post-transplant, but we want you to be encouraged that it is most likely temporary. We're going to learn from healthcare professionals and survivors alike who want to share with you so that you can beat GVHD and thrive despite it. You'll appreciate their grit, honesty, and determination to help you live your best life with their guidance and experiences. So today we welcome Lisa Lotzenheiser of California. Hello, everybody. Lisa, let's dig in on your story, your diagnosis, treatment, and your life before transplant. Well, it was December of 2019 where I was starting to feel a little off. I'm 56, or I was 56 at the time, and I was super healthy. I never went to the doctor unless it was just a checkup. So I was feeling really kind of exhausted, um, led into Christmas, not feeling good, a cough, um, New Year's, I uh, went to Albuquerque with my fiance to see some relatives, and I didn't feel very good then, and just couldn't sleep, hot flashes, etc. Um, came home, went back to work. Um, I'm a fourth grade teacher. I was just completely exhausted, called in sick for a number of days, finally went to the doctors. <sighs> Long story, just nobody knew what it was, been to th- the doctor three times. Eventually, my gums were so swollen in my mouth that you could barely see my teeth. And they sent me to the dentist. So the morning I was diagnosed, I had actually just made a quiche or two quiches and a bowl of fruit for the school staff because we do a special birthday breakfast once a month. Um, I dropped that off, went to the dentist, had my teeth cleaned. And prior to that, the day before, I'd had some blood work done with one of the visits. Um, My primary doctor asked for that. And so I was at work. It was our collaboration day where I work with my co-teacher and our coach. And as we sat um, working that morning, the kids were out at their PE and art and science specialists. I got a phone call. My primary doctor said, "Um, hey, Lisa, I hate to tell you this, but your blood work showed some crazy numbers, and I need you to get down to Kaiser and get a bone marrow biopsy as soon as possible. And I didn't even know what to say. Um, I kind of had Googled some symptoms. I I just couldn't even grasp the idea that it might be leukemia, and she had mentioned that. So needs to say, I called my, my honey, my fiance, and said, I need you to take me to the hospital. And for some reason, I, I just think I knew. Um, I drove home from work. I left my purse. I left everything but my ID and my Kaiser card here. And Jeff took me to the hospital. And sure enough, after the bone marrow biopsy, um, they admitted me to the emergency room because I'd had a fever. They checked me into the hospital after the emergency room, a few hours there. And I didn't go home for over a month. They took me to the Oakland 
Kaiser actually transported me in an ambulance, my first ambulance trip ever, um, where their ward was for, I guess, leukemia and oncology. So I spent about, like I said, a month there. They did chemotherapy, and I don't know the technicality of it. I just honestly never really wanted to research and never remembered these names, but it was seven and three. I know that that's a kind of a buzzword. Right away. I was diagnosed Wednesday. They started chemo Saturday. What was your diagnosis, Lisa? It was acute myeloid leukemia. Okay, AML. Yeah, AML with a FLT3 mutation. Okay. Which, on further information, um, the FLT3 is not good. AML is not good anyway, but the FLT3 is even worse. So I think that that was the need to start things so quickly. And this was all just about the time COVID was beginning. So people just weren't sure what was happening yet. Um, My family was still allowed in the hospital. I have a great support group. Um, I have two daughters and my fiance, my parents. I'm one of five kids. We all live in the area except for one brother who's up in Seattle. I have a great community. They were able to come see me in the hospital. My teaching friends were there. Um, It's all kind of a blur, I think, after. So once that happened, of course, I, I lost my hair, spent the month there. They released me and sent me home. I was recovering at home and waiting for a bone marrow match. I went through two more consolidation, I think they called it, rounds. So it was five days, two more times at Kaiser. So I was diagnosed January 29th. And by March, we had found a donor. And then they hooked me up with the Stanford Oncology BMT unit. So we took a trip to Stanford. Again, the girls and Jeff could still come into the room with me. So we got the information on the bone marrow transplant, what was going to happen. And I was admitted there May 12th, so the day after Mother's Day, for another dose of the 7-3, just knocking down all those blood cells they needed to before the bone marrow transplant, which occurred on May 20th. Okay. And then I spent another few weeks there and was released about maybe June 10th and was required to live in that area. I'm about 70 miles from Stanford on the other side of San Francisco Bay. So we rented an Airbnb just a few miles from Stanford so that I could go to the cancer clinic twice a week. So we lived there until August 6th or so, trading off. So we created a calendar where one daughter or the other daughter or Jeff would stay with me. So no one was my full-time caretaker. Nobody had to stay there the whole time. And then I got home. And um, again, it's amazing looking back at this story. And after you asked me to do the podcast, kind of taking notes. And a lot of it is, again, a blur. I bet. Especially during COVID. I'm thinking about this timeline as you're saying it. And our world was just upside down. I can't imagine how you guys Obviously, you had a great support system. How you navigated this during a pandemic? Yeah. So the kids were still available. Like, they could still come in that February Oakland-Kaiser visit. Um, The first round of consolidation, I don't think they were letting anybody in. So somebody dropped me off in the morning at Kaiser, and I went upstairs, and they came and got me Friday. Wow. And then it happened again in April. 
And then the toughest part, which I didn't talk about, was when I checked into Stanford on May 12th. I'll never forget this. I had a duffel bag and my pillow, and Jeff had to drop me off in front of the hospital. And I walked in by myself, like I was going on vacation or (laughs) catching a flight. Yeah. It was crazy. I can imagine. Yeah. So I was at Stanford for, well, I guess 30 days um, by myself. Wow. (sighs) I bet just to reflect on all this right now, because I know that's what happens when I ask people to do these, it forces you to revisit it all in your head. And I bet you, you are so happy to be where you are now. Absolutely. Looking back and, you know, I'm going to ask about your GVHD because this series focuses on it. Yeah. What kind of GVHD did you have? How did you deal with it? Are you still dealing with it? So fill us in on that if you could. Okay. So the GVHD, I feel like it hit immediately after the transplant. And first, I think with many people is my skin. So I had an incredible... I guess you'd call it rash and change of skin color. It came on pretty quickly and didn't go away for, well, I'm still suffering from splotches of it on my face. Um, We're not sure if it's just kind of a permanent damage or not. But um, so the skin issues were horrible just because of the itching and the uncomfortableness of it. Um, I was released from the hospital in June The Airbnb didn't have air conditioning. I mean, we were on what we'd call the west side of San Francisco Bay, in between the bay and the ocean. It's generally very cool there, but um, I can remember the heat being an issue, um, not feeling comfortable and getting that prickly feeling that I know a lot of people suffering from GVHD suffer from. Um, The other issue, which many people suffer from, is gut issues, Um, nausea, diarrhea, That lasted most of the summer for a long time. We actually had to have a, I don't know what the test is called, but they went down my throat to check my stomach to make sure that it was GVHD or wasn't. And at the time when we finally did it, they showed that it was not actually GVHD. um, So that may have passed. Okay. The other issues that I didn't realize, um, I was actually signed up for a study for a drug for GVHD and it was a blind study. Got my first dose, I think it was probably August, and you're supposed to not know whether you got it or not, but as I was sitting in the chair and getting this long, slow IV drip, um, my blood pressure bottomed out, I got the chills, and some other side effects, so it was pretty clear that I was actually getting the drug. Okay. So we did that, and then went. it was just a day visit, and then came back to Walnut Creek where we live here, and I just kept you know, doing what I do. And I was starting to suffer from some really serious joint issues, which is GVHD for sure. Like I described to my oncologist later in November, I think I felt like I was 80 years old and they immediately took me off that study because I guess it was, I was showing too many symptoms of GVHD, but the achiness, um, I never really lost ability to walk or move my daily routines, but it definitely made an impact. My life before, I didn't really talk a whole lot about it, but I did say I was a teacher, super active, loved PE, loved being outside. I grew up camping. I live on two acres in this gorgeous family property, uh, have a 110 vine vineyard. Oh, I'm visiting. (laughs) It's gorgeous today too. If we were on video, I would show you all. (laughs) Um, 
we used to make wine with my ex-husband. He's moved on. I've moved on. But the vineyard is still there. And it's just it's just a beautiful spot. I, I grow tomatoes and herbs. And, and with the bone marrow transplant, just all the things I couldn't do. And also just physically with the GVHD, my aching joints and trying to, you know, I couldn't mow the lawn for a year or actually more than a year because I'm not supposed to mow the lawn until I was off immune suppressants. So crazy as it may sound, I love mowing my lawn. (laughs) I really missed it. So life before was busy and life after the bone marrow transplant and the GVHD limited me. A big, huge thing that still affects me and will for the rest of my life is being out in the sun. Um, It's I have to wear a hat. I've got my 55 sunscreen I put on every day. I bought SPF or UPF shirts to cover myself up because the sun will spur the GVHD skin issues. I miss being in the sun. Um, I'm not totally out of the sun. Actually, I've been what I noticed is that I've been wearing pants and my SPF shirt, but I'm wearing flip-flops out in the yard and I have <laughs> now have tan marks. <laughs> So I know that I'm getting some sun and my feet are brown, kind of like a, if you ever know anybody who's a surfer, they wear a wetsuit and they get tan on their feet and their face and yep. their hands. So I'm living with that GVHD, but I must tell people and myself that I have it so good because I don't have it that severely. And I know that I'm in a couple of different Facebook groups and I know that people suffer for many years and are on large doses of steroids or long-term steroids. And I was really lucky because I just did one small three or four week stint of steroids. And that was back in November when I was telling the doctor, I felt like I was 80 years old. Okay. So we did that. I felt better um, and went off it and just, I'm really trying not to go back on those. Yes. We know all about those. Uh, And that's good. Oh, Lisa, I love your attitude. It sounds to me like You maybe miss your old life, but you're grateful to be here and you really are trying to make the best of it. Absolutely. Obviously, this kind of diagnosis, this changes lives immediately. And it did mine. I was engaged to Jeff. We got engaged Christmas, December 2018. Okay. Um, We decided not to get married in 2019 because my niece had been engaged and she was getting married. So we didn't want to take away the fanfare of her wedding. So we waited, um, and our plan was 2020. And here, 2020 rolls around January 29th, and I now have leukemia. Sure. And COVID starts. So absolutely no wedding was going to happen, except that as the longer I was off work and the more I realized because of the bone marrow transplant, because of the GVHD, I probably wouldn't be going back to work for a long time. Um, I didn't want to lose medical benefits. So Jeff and I were going to get married, but we pushed it up to December last year because medical benefits are so extraordinary. I I just, again, something else I learned about this disease is the people that don't have the care I have, that don't have medical benefits. Mm -hmm. I wish there was a way we could support every single person and get the care that I got. I'll have to say, you definitely picked a great guy because... (laughs) Boy, were you guys tested right out of the gates. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it sounds we, like he passed with flying colors. <laughs> he, yeah, we've actually known each other since high school. He said he fell in love with me on our graduation trip in 1981, <laughs> or we went to Hawaii. 
And I knew him, but I had a boyfriend at the time. And, you know, he was just Big Jeff, Big Jeff Lots. And he was everybody's <laughs> friend. Aww. And we came home and went to junior college and then went off to our universities. And he said he came back to the five-year reunion. He was going to take me out. And he thought I was his girl, but I was already with my boyfriend and soon to be husband. Okay. So we've known each other since 1981 and about 11, 12 years ago, we reconnected. So he's been in my life for that long and it just took us that long to get engaged and married. Wow. Oh, what a great story. He's just fabulous. We moved up our <laughs> retirement plans in September and bought a fifth wheel trailer uh, and a new Ford truck to tow it. And We've just been hitting the road. He's also a teacher. He's a special ed teacher, special ed PE. So nice. So many people don't understand that uh, what a heart he must have to be that kind of a teacher, but he's amazing. And with that kind of job, we have the flexibility of traveling. So actually, we just got home yesterday from a trip up to Oroville and the Feather River up in uh, Northern California. And next week, we head down to Pismo Beach. Well, good for you guys. This is so fabulous. If you could see the smile on my face. I, I noticed something that you had mentioned, and I'm curious about this. What's your list of cancer benefits all about? Oh, okay. So the benefits of cancer. So um, <laughs> number one is that the day I was diagnosed, it was, like I said, it was a Wednesday and Jeff called my daughter's and at the time, um, they were both San Diego State graduates. So they moved from Northern California to San Diego, went to school there. Katie, my younger daughter, stayed in San Diego. And my older daughter moved to Denver a few years before. So Jeff called and said, don't do anything yet. But your mom's just had a bone marrow biopsy. It looks like it's leukemia. And we'll let you know. Well, of course, as any fabulous children, my children, the little one jumped in the car and she and her boyfriend drove north and the older one found a flight from Denver to Oakland the next morning. So cancer benefit number one, those girls came home and didn't leave. Aww. That spring, Christy went back to Denver and moved her things home and Katie went back to San Diego and moved her things home. So now they're both local. So that was cancer benefit one. <laughs> Number two, um, losing my hair was not a big deal. It's actually very, very invigorating to be bald and uh, save so much on shampoo, conditioner. Um, I can't remember the, or using a blow dryer again. So I'm saving on electricity and not to mention the haircuts and hair coloring visits. So it's come in this really nice gray, I guess you could say. And I got a little dark patch, so it's not completely gray. Um, so that's another benefit. <laughs> I'm saving on hair color. I may have to go get my hair cut more often because I'm going to keep it nice and short, but that's definitely another benefit. Well, this is great. What a wonderful attitude to have. And I'm so happy for you in all of this. Uh, I have the best job in the world to get to talk to people like you, I have to say. Thank you. Any final words of wisdom for newbies, like something you wish you had known that you know now? Anything you could think of? You're going to make it. I think the diagnosis is bad enough, but the GVHD is um, an extra job, I guess you could say. I think research 
and joining groups. There's a GVHD group on Facebook. Um, There's actually the upside of GVHD and then there's a regular GVHD group. And it took me almost a year to reach out. I kind of didn't want to know what was happening. I didn't, I was afraid. And so joining those groups really opened my eye to thinking like, oh, this, so this isn't so bad or, oh, that's not a surprise that my joints are achy or these, you know, the skin issues and the sun issues, these are out there. So find your group, find the support. Um, at Christmas time, I found a bracelet on Etsy and the phrase on it was no one fights alone. And I bought one for myself and for Christy and Katie, my daughter's no one fights alone. You need the team. And whether it's your local family or husband or wife or spouse, kids, um, reaching out to someone who's in the same world as you in that leukemia world, that GVHD world, whatever world it is, and finding out that you're not alone. I also hope I'm going to recommend The Cancer Patient. It's a podcast and actually podcast second, but it's an Instagram account. And it's an amazing resource and it's real and it's cancer patients. Oh, I did not know about that. Can you repeat the name of that? Sure. The cancer patient on Instagram. Okay. Check it out. She, I think it's a woman. She's remaining anonymous and she's a nurse. And what I'm getting from it is that she's actually been diagnosed with some sort of blood cancer and gone through treatment. She, posts all sorts of things about all sorts of cancer, but it's real. And they talk often about this toxic positivity where people are like, oh, you're going to get this. You're going to fight it. You're doing great. You know, I went up to work to empty my classroom and like, you look so good. When are you coming back? And sometimes you just want the real stuff. And via this Instagram account, you'll see it's actually quite funny. It's humorous to cancer patients. It may be offensive to other people, but when you're celebrating a birthday or a rebirthday or a cancer diagnosis, cakes that say, good job, not dying, or, you know, (laughs) I can't think of the other ones, but just this, a little bit of an opposite of the, I'm absolutely a positive person. Sure. But sometimes you just want to embrace that. Like, yeah, this is a tough thing. This is really tough. And it's real. And I, I want to be angry. And I, I want people to know that this isn't easy. And I may look fantastic on the outside, but I'm super scared and I'm hurting on the inside. And I think that, again, anybody listening and you are diagnosed with a cancer and you've had a bone marrow transplant or a stem cell transplant, you may look fine, but I know that it's not easy. It's not easy inside. This is so wonderful, Lisa. I'm going to just mention in last season, uh, season five, we did a podcast with a woman named Stephanie who started a nonprofit in Pittsburgh called Yasu, and it's about finding your herd. So I can't agree with you more on how important it is to find your, like you said, your support group, your people, your team, your herd. And we see that every day. The peer support that these closed Facebook groups provide is just phenomenal. It really is. I couldn't agree with you more. And I can't wait to check out this cancer patient. This is great. And we will include a lot of these resources in the show notes. So if if people can't write anything down right now, they can go check them out. We'll have some links. And Lisa, I just applaud you. And I thank you for sharing your heart and your story. And I want to come visit you. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's gorgeous right now. I bet. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to say as we wrap this up? Thank you for having me. Um, it's, it's been a scary ride, but I'm going to make it. <laughs> oh, I, I have no doubt you're going to make it. I need it. to. I want to be a grandma. <laughs> My kids will listen to this later. Christy, Katie, you don't have to have a baby right away, but I do want to be a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you again, Lisa. Thank you very much. This has been the Marrow Masters Podcast. Feel free to share this episode via text, email, or social media. Don't miss an episode. Follow Marrow Masters in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to connect with the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, visit nbmtlink.org or click on the link in our show notes.